This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connex setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at affordabledrilltowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoce's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check him out, Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send him an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check him out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check him out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business, as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his uh, his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good. It's so clean and crisp. And yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast. And you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters. And that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give him a little pluck and tell him keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
Hey everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast today. A new friend, Eric Hurst. Many of you might know him from the YouTube channels, the South Metro Fire Rescue YouTube channel, 187,000 subscribers. We'll get to that in a minute. And then he was like, yeah, I'm not done there. I'm going to start my own channel. And uh, recently started his own Eric Hurst YouTube channel at 22,000 subscribers already. Um, this guy is a PIO, the public information officer for the South Metro Fire Rescue Department in Colorado. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. This is cool. This is one that I'm really looking forward to because I'm watching your stuff from afar. I've, I've subscribed to South Metro a long time ago, being a social media guy myself, watching what you guys do there in Colorado, watching the abilities that you and your team have. And I want to jump into all that, but it is just a different take on what's happening in the fire service. It is fun to watch a department that allows for their public information officers to one be in the trenches, but two then to be able to document and show what they do on a daily basis. It's incredible. Absolutely. I couldn't be happier to work where I, where I do and uh, have fire chiefs and the firefighters who trust me and my team yeah. to exactly that, be in the trenches with them and tell their story. Uh, a lot more than being a PIO, I look at it as uh, being a public safety journalist for our fire department. So we, we kind of have to fill that gap of telling our own story for our own community so they understand what our personnel are doing day in and day out for them. So, you know, I usually go right down the road. We started chapter one, but we're already diving right into this conversation. And you just said something that really piqued my interest. And I want to explore this further with you. Public safety journalist. The thing is, in the position that you're in and the um, the bandwidth that you guys have with the distribution network that is so large and so many people following, it is not just firefighters watching buff videos. Right. This is the public. These are uh, administration people, the council, the city mayor the different offices, bureaus, and then people across the world are watching your channel and you really are a public safety journalist. You're documenting a job, the career in which so many of us do that really educates the public in what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there was a time when public information was definitely more answering journalist questions yeah. and press sending press releases, right? press yeah, conferences, right. that kind of thing. And um, when I took over the, the role of communications manager and PIO at South Metro, one of my main visions um, was to be exactly that, a journalist for my community members. We're a fire protection district, so we rely occasionally on actually having to ask our voters to increase their tax, sure. you know, the taxes they pay to us to keep our fire department going. And so I didn't ever want to leave a doubt in their mind, the value that our fire district provides to them. And so when I go to work every day, I look at it as, hey, the, the vote for our community members to increase our revenue is tomorrow, even though it's not, because right. I think it's that important for them to have no doubt in their mind, the value that we provide and, um, you know, what our firefighters are, are there to do and the support personnel at our organization. What's really cool is how your department has progressed in the PIO office based on the technology that's available today, right? When you do um, the circle back, right? That press conference, that press release, like that was that like 
rubber stamp type thing that every department needed to have a larger department needed to have somebody that was responsible for engaging the public, engaging, you know, the news, the agencies, you know, and this and that. But now you have a worldwide audience at literally your fingertips, which you didn't have previously. How did, yeah. how did your administration really come to understand the importance of that? Um, when I first started out, I looked at developing a social media strategy. I think that's important for any PIO office. And one of the first things I did was just look at where all of the social media activity is. And YouTube was at the top of that list. You know, it's, in 2017, it was something like 80% of Americans are using YouTube in one way or another. It's the second largest search engine in the world. It was silly for our fire district to not have a, a big presence there. Um, and it, it took a lot of trust on our administration to say, okay, let's pull the curtain back and let's show our fire district in a way that no fire district had shown themselves. And I think it's that authenticity that really resonates certainly with our community members. But then as we found, it started resonating with uh, firefighters, fire buffs, uh, aspiring firefighters across the globe. And we interact with people across the world, which is fantastic. But certainly the goal of what we're doing is, is to educate our community members about what's going on in their own community. And then by default, it's just, you know, reached so many people, which is not what we anticipated at all. I think the default though is so powerful. I mean, it's one thing to educate your public, educate your, your community so that you have the support. They understand who you guys are, the transparency, the authenticity, but when you take this to the next level, right, with with that, you know, it, it was just an add on that people jumped on from all over the world to watch and to see what you're doing there. But you guys really are shaping the fire service, the future fire service. You're educating that next generation. You're educating people that didn't have the chance to get there. You're educating everyone across the board about how good and the bad that this profession offers. But you guys literally have the ability to shape the future of fire and rescue services. Yeah, it's incredible. And again, it's something that I didn't um, foresee when we first started up the channel, but through the interactions that we've had with, uh, with our online community and then speaking with our candidates who have now you know, joined South Metro, there are employees mm. here, the vast majority of them cite YouTube as a reason why they were recruited to come to South Metro. Many of them lived out of state some of them lived in other countries, and uh, had it not been for our YouTube presence, they wouldn't have known South Metro even existed. And so we have really gained a lot of great members, a lot of diverse backgrounds from these members that are part of the fire district now. So I think there's there's definitely that benefit to it as well, that we're, we're drawing in a way bigger recruitment pool than otherwise. Brother, you... You just knocked it out of the park. If if anything comes out of this episode today for other people that are listening, administration, chiefs, right? Even people on down in, in the organization, what you just hit on there is, you know, people are struggling finding new recruits, finding people that fit their mold of what they need and want to represent their community. And you have a channel for that. And And I have to think that you guys sit back every once in a while and go, that's wild. This new probing class knew who we were when they came in, right? Because they've been watching our content. Yeah, it is wild. Um, so there's there's that aspect of it. And then there's the aspect of um, we're looked at as YouTubers. And, and mm. the difference between us and the average YouTuber is we are very accessible because right. that's the nature of our job. You know, you can call and text the PIO line. You can email us. Um, 
So we have visitors that come from out of state, a lot of young kids who actually beg their parents to want to come to South Metro on vacation because they're fire buffs. <laughs> it, it's this incredible thing that we we it. never thought would happen. Um, but but we're there, you know, people show up at headquarters, they want to trade patches or trade challenge coins. Um, I, we had a, a couple of different kids this year for their birthdays come and spend a couple of days with their parents buffing around South Metro. And, you know, that's the that's the next generation of, uh, of yeah. our firefighters there. So that time investment is really important. But that was something we we didn't foresee. And so in a, in a lot of ways, this PR role totally changed. I, I, I'm this YouTuber, like all the YouTubers I watch that I would totally fan geek over if I met them right. in person. Right, right, right. It's, a, it's a weird place to see yourself that way and have to acknowledge that that I'm seen that way. And my team is seen that way when people come visit. Yeah, well, the term influencer is there for a reason, you know, and for you to be able to uh, be an influencer for, uh, you know, people within the space, that's important because it's it's so important, one, to be able to show to your community what you do in South Metro. The other thing, though, too, is it gives them a level of expectation of what's expected from them, right? So many prospects or potential firefighters or EMTs or paramedics that come into different you know, fire departments and programs, they don't really know what the expectation is until they get there. You're painting that picture for them before they even put their application in to potentially join your department. 100%. And I mentioned authenticity before. Yeah. That's that's a big thing for us. I don't want to put on a false front. You know, what, what people see is what they're going to get when they come to South Metro. If you watch a station Saturday, it's super laid back because that's the way our firehouses are. Yep. Um, we're, we're not pretending to be something that we're not. You can see in our fire vlogs that there's there's strategy and tactics that we use that maybe other places in the country don't use and don't like and could debate all day long. But that's us. And and we're also very big on fire based EMS. That, that's a huge part of the job at South Metro. Um, paramedicine is a big deal. We take a lot of pride in the fire medics that we have and the EMS that we deliver. And so we're not trying to hide that. We're trying to be honest. Firefighting is, is a part of the job. It's an important part of the job, but EMS is the biggest part of the job right now that, yeah. that our firefighters are doing. And so we want to portray that in the videos and not hide the fact that some of these fire medics episodes we're putting out aren't the most exciting thing in the world because sometimes that's just EMS. Reality. Um, but yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. just, just being authentic with people so they know what they're going to get when they get here. And um, hopefully they they embrace the culture and like the culture. They think, oh, maybe that's not for me. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. But we're, we're level setting that right off the bat. I mentioned the administration and the amount of trust that they have to have with their PIO office, especially an office as active as yours. I'm sitting here wondering as a as a guy that rides the fire trucks myself. What kind of buy-in did you have to get and how hard was that to get the rank and file, the the line officers, the firefighters, the medics, the EMTs? What did it take to get them to be to really buy in and be on board? I lucked out in some ways because when I was a fire dispatcher, uh, started off with Littleton Fire Rescue as a dispatcher and then got on at South Metro. Um, I was also kind of playing this dual role as kind of a buff, but kind of an official fire department photographer. I had credentials for a lot of the local fire departments so that I could get beyond the yellow tape. And I had started a, a blog actually called 5280fire.com. That still exists today, although I'm not an official part of that. I separated when I got the PIO role. 
but I was already kind of known as a, a blogger and a great fire scene photographer who was already sharing the stories of firefighters that quite honestly, the PIOs at the time weren't doing. They weren't putting in the work to get up at 2 a.m. to go to a job right. and cover what their firefighters were doing. So I sort of already had that street cred, which was really good. Um, a lot of people liked what I was doing in dispatch and, and trusted me as a great dispatcher. So I had a good reputation going into it, and I think that helped me build that trust when I brought a video camera around. Uh, and, and then it was just laying down the basics. You know, when, when a fire chief asks, is this going to be okay? I, I tell everybody this in my social media classes too. It's safety, policy, reputation, and, and PHI, or protected health information. And if you're covering all of those little bullet points before you put a picture or a video online, usually you're going to be okay, but you just got to think about those things. And that's, that's just what we do. We, we make sure we check those boxes and, uh, and then we have a little wiggle room, you know, can we show some humor at the right time? Um, can we show some vulnerability at the right time and, and include that human element? Yeah. And, and that's what makes it so real. And I think, you know, which then piggybacks onto the authenticity comment from earlier, right? That seems to be the common theme here. And and I believe that too, with National Fire Radio and what we do with the podcast and our content, it's got to be authentic because if it's not, you, people can punch holes through it so fast that it doesn't gain any traction and it's not valid. Right. And so, yeah, hmm? yeah 100%. And I, I think that kind of you know, speaks volumes to our blogs too. What, what you see on the fire ground, I've never seen a perfect fire ground. I've yeah. seen some fires go really well. I've seen some go really bad, but there's never perfection. And I think what we're trying to do too is, is combat that stigma online of like that you, you have to be perfect. It, you can try and be perfect and you should be trying to achieve that, but it'll never happen. And I think um, when we're showing things in our videos that, that don't meet perfection, but they're good, they're, they're tuned in, it opens up a great conversation uh, just about that and what the what the realistic expectation is and, and the realism of the job itself when it comes to firing EMS. How important is it to engage your community? I mean, you're putting out content and you're getting hundreds, thousands of comments across all the channels. How do you keep up with that and how important is it to engage your community? Um, engaging with our community is of the utmost importance. And so that that just like anything, though, it's a level of priority. So we get emails, we get online forms with people submitting um, comments or concerns for the district. We get um, phone calls from our community members. And so those those are always first and foremost. And then we want to dive into the public comments and certainly the direct messages. And sometimes that in itself can be hours of the day oh, when yeah. we're talking about all of our platforms. Um, no that, that in itself is a full-time job. And so trying to make sure that we're addressing everybody's concerns, that people feel like they're heard, that we're welcoming their feedback and suggestions. Um, all of that is really important. This, this is a customer service based job. And I mm. serve at the, the pleasure of the fire sir at, at the fire chief and, and our community members. And so ultimately my fire chief's bosses are an elected board of directors. So very much, you know, my, my bosses are the community members that I, I'm proud to work with and for. Uh, so it's, yeah, utmost important to, to be on the street talking with them or talking with them digitally, whatever it takes. It should be said, you have a team that certainly is right on board with you, right? You have a, you have the mm -hmm. public information office, I would assume. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like and has that grown and scaled with your growth in that department? 
It has. When I first got appointed to the PIO role, we had a chief communications officer who was hired from the, the private sector of communications. And so uh, she and I initially kind of split duties. She was taking care of more of the internal and strategic communications, executive level communications with our board of directors. And I was handling all of the external stuff. And basically, it was just like most fire PIOs, unfortunately, who never get a break. It was me 100% of the time having to cover everything and and having a very poor work and personal life balance. And that's where I have to credit South Metro. They do a really good job with employee wellness, if, if not one of the best in the nation when it comes to all wellness, physical, emotional, mental wellness. And so I was fortunate that uh, they saw the good things coming out of the work that I was doing and they allowed us to hire a communication specialist, another full-time person who could do PIO work and help balance that on call load. So that was Connor. Um, if you if you follow the channel, you've probably seen her. She came from television news as a, a local multimedia journalist with our ABC affiliate here. So she really expanded um, our knowledge base, certainly of, of how our journalists work and also her skill level when it came to video production was top notch. So um, worked alongside her for a couple of years. And then my boss ended up getting appointed to a new role of uh, deputy chief, actually. So uh, a way different thing than a lot of fire departments do, taking a, a civilian role and promoting that person to, to one of the second in command positions. And when that happened, Connor was promoted into a new executive level communications manager role. So her and I are now equal on the org chart. And then we hired uh, Lauren recently last year to fill Connor's spot. And Lauren came to us from uh, California as a fire marshal, actually, in Northern California with a lot of PIO experience working with some of the Cal Fire incident management teams. How did they um, fight? So uh, we, uh, Connor and I put together a, a pretty sporty recruitment video for our next PIO on our social channels to inspire who we would want to work on our team and be able to carry that, um, you know, persona that South Metro has online. And, and Lauren was a a, a top candidate immediately as soon as we saw the very first assignment. So we assigned them to make a 45 second blog selling themselves basically to move on to the next process. And so we yep. got to see their video editing skills, their uh, all, all of their personality shine through and then move on through the process. I had no idea that's what you did. It was only a matter of an assumption that you absolutely did that. I mean, it just goes to be said, right? Like when you're doing it right, people want to be a part of it, right? And there's not many offices like yours that do it at the scale that you do it at with the professionalism you do it at. And so you guys obviously are a desired department when, especially in, in your office. And so you're going to get some of the best out there wanting to be a part of that because most administrations and most departments don't understand the value of what you're doing. They're afraid of it. They're absolutely afraid of it and they won't give into it. And I, so what that allows you to do then when it's very narrow is you can get the best of the best if your department allows you to. We definitely can. And I, I think we definitely did. And I'm really excited yeah. about that aspect of things um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it, it sounds like you have a fantastic crew, very well-rounded, but take me back to the beginning then, because how did you find your way there? We just talked about your team and how they got there. How did you get there? Give me chapter one. Where did, where did this all start? Yeah, chapter one, honestly, was growing up as a kid in South Metro's district back in the day. Um, Cass, uh, it was Castlewood Fire Department, a lot of small fire districts, 
merged into what is South right. Metro today. But I, I grew up near Station 31, drove those guys crazy, visited them all the time. Um, they gave me a shift calendar so I knew exactly who to pick on and ride my bike to the firehouse, ride my bike to some of the calls to see the rigs go by, all that. Wow. Um, and, and really just kept a close relationship with a lot of those people who were mentors to me growing up, um, found out about an explorer program here in Castle Rock, Colorado. And I was an explorer with the Castle Rock fire district. Awesome group of people who helped me learn a lot. They were very understaffed at the time, sometimes only one or two person engine companies. So my role as an explorer, really, uh, I, I did a lot more than I should have been doing to get hands-on experience, stuff that I'll certainly wouldn't be allowed today, but you got to do what you got to do, right? Right. Um, yeah. And then shortly after that, I was still in high school, got on as a volunteer with Franktown Fire District, went through my Fire One Academy and had some absolutely great life experience, career experience there. Um, and, and they're just a across the border from South Metro. So okay. when I was 19, started applying everywhere for everything in the fire service, because that's what you had to do to get your foot in the door and got on as a dispatcher at Littleton Fire Rescue. And I lied through my teeth in the interview. Uh, I think they knew that when I said, no, no, I want a career in dispatch. I love it. Uh, definitely don't want to just do this to be a firefighter. Right, you know, right, right. Yeah. Smiled and nodded and winked. Yeah, you and, and every that. other guy that went through that interview process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it was fantastic. I'd, I'd been listening to the scanner since I was a kid. Sure. Um, I had it down, you know, and there was, there was nothing that gave me more joy than sitting on the radio and, you know, dispatching fires, dispatching crews. It was great. I did that for a couple of years at Littleton, went to South Metro because their dispatch center still today, uh, dispatchers work 24 hour shifts. So I was able to go do 24s as a dispatcher and then still go to the firehouse in Franktown and be a firefighter. So just hmm. living, eating, breathing, sleeping yeah. fire um, yeah. for those few years, promoted all the way up um, to lead dispatcher, shift supervisor, and then the operations manager. So I, I stayed in dispatch. Um, the, the pay was really great. I was good at what I was doing. Uh, and then I was still going out on my days off and buffing fires, taking pictures for the website. Right. So in, uh, in 2015, the full-time PIO needed help and I volunteered to be an on-call person. So I went through some training, started taking the on-call rotation. And uh, two years later, that person left our organization and it left a vacancy. And so I had they, a really- So they already had that PIO office and position in place within the department itself. Oh yeah, that okay. PIO position had been in place probably since the 1980s. Wow. Uh, just okay. it looked a lot different, and yeah. right. I I ended up going to a horse rescue of all things. That that was kind of the the call that made my my PIO start. Um, we we had a horse that was stuck in in this muddy pond at Cherry Creek State Park, and it was an afternoon of doing everything that our firefighters could to to keep this horse's head above water while a vet tried to get it up on its feet and. Um, I ended up live tweeting it. I had a nationally trending hashtag that afternoon, which was saving cupcake because that was the name of the horse. And uh, it was a gamble on my part. Thankfully, the horse survived. And uh, I was in shock as a PIO. I was talking with CNN, Fox National. I was talking with Inside Edition the next just day, like all that. the local news, Thrusted just like that. Me. Yeah. And uh, the fire chief was like all of the fire chiefs said, wow, this is this is way different. And we really like this exposure and, and being able to tell the story of what our crews are doing. And they gave me that option. You know, would, would you like to do this full time or do you want to manage dispatch? And I said, give me the, the, the keys to the PIO buggy. Yeah. I'm in. So 
yeah. we we had had PIOs for years, and and I think I just kind of was able to make the job cooler. I I wanted to do a cool well, job, and so that, that's that's all it was. I just wanted to go to calls. It absolutely makes sense. I mean, you grew up as a buff. You grew up in that territory, so you know the departments, and then they all become one. And then as you grow up with this department. You're in the trenches. Then you're doing dispatching, yeah. supervising dispatching. You know everything about every company. You know the inner workings of the department. Who better? And then not only that, to be a buff on top of that, taking fire photos, writing a blog, all these different things, that all culminates into literally the best guy you could get for the job of public information officer. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart and manifold are powder-coated red for durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FBC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Makes yeah, sense. I mean, I, I'm super humble about all yeah, of it, but yeah, um, well, all, all the things that you you just listened, I think certainly contributed to of course. everybody saying I'm the guy to do the job. Yeah, and, and I think it's worked you out have, well. 
you always have the best interest of the department at heart because you it's it's so near and dear to you. Like you are the and I say this, you know, only meeting you today, but like I can tell how committed you are to your department, the growth of your department, the history and tradition that came with the department, right? And then making more modern like you literally eat and breathe. You said it before. Uh living, eating, breathing the fire department. That's who you are. Yeah, 100%. And and I have a lot of different PIO colleagues, uh, fire, PD, you name it. And I think the difference between me and and my team, honestly, and a lot of them is we when we look at our phone and, and we have a, an incident that we are required to respond to, let's say it's in the middle of the night, I look at it and I say, I get to go do this job. Yeah, absolutely. And there's other people. There's other PIOs that are like, I oh, have I wanna... to go do my job. And so, you know, really, I, I want that to shine through. And I think it does. And I think that's why people resonate with South Metro so much is because it's our storytelling passion that shows the passion of the firefighters that are out doing the job. Yeah. And and I mean, that's it. I There's so much to that. You, An administration, I keep going back to this because I'm so challenged by it when I watch how protective people are being in the social media field that I am, you know, we do some influencing as well, right? And we have a platform and we work with a lot of different manufacturers. We go to, we do a lot of content with fire companies, right? We document different fire companies. We do all sorts of media marketing for different manufacturers. We have the podcast, all these things that we do. And some people are, a lot of people are super protective of who they are, where they ride and what they can and can't talk about because their administration doesn't want information out there. And I, I think what's really interesting about that is I don't know if that's an old school. I mean, I know it's an old school type of mentality, but I also believe that there's some new school that still believes in that mantra that we need to circle our wagons and protect you know, who we are. And I get that to an extent, but people are going to find out regardless. So why not you create the narrative, right? What you're doing at South Metro is creating the narrative and taking any other conversation off the table because you guys are documenting and putting out there who you are and nobody can dispute it. I agree a hundred percent. And I think, you know, aside from selling ourselves and, and also, you know, the recruitment aspect, the public education aspect, we're banking goodwill. So, mm. you know, lots of good news stories all the time. And so, you know, when, when you have an employee population that equals that of a small town, eventually something bad is going to happen. An employee is going to make a, a, a poor decision and get in trouble. Uh, the organization is going to have something happen that could be a disparaging thing. And so, Absolutely. you know, it, it's important to to really get a good name and a good reputation out there all the time so that it, when, you know, when that bad day happens, people look at it and they're like, you know, that that is for sure a one off because I know this organization and that's not who they are. What I think is really interesting, too, and it just it, that conversation right there really made me think about this is you guys have to be so good on your feet because you don't know what's coming next. There could be, you know, you could have a fire in the next three minutes that you have to get to. Could be a fatal, could be a line of duty. It could be severe injuries, right? It could be massive loss of property, but then it could also be a scandal, right? It could be, uh, you know, something that shines a horrible light on the fire service, the hardworking men and women that represent your department through the actions of one person, right? So, and put it in perspective, right? I was reading before, you guys are an ISO class one fire rescue protection district. 2,300 companies, six truck companies, 
19 ALS, 15 wildland, six tenders, three ARF trucks, water rescue, rescue company, hazmat, collapse, decon. You have all the makings of a very large department. How many guys are on the line, guys and girls? Uh, total personnel at South Metro is right around 770. It's not a small department. Yeah, and it's and it's a big organization. You just named off all of the special teams. I right. love that as a PIO. Um, yeah. I get to go do airport stuff, dive rescue stuff, hazmat. Wildland's a big deal here. Um, oh, yeah. We talked about not knowing what's going to happen. We we can go from uh, zero to you know air support and evacuating a thousand homes in in the span of just a few minutes in this fire district. And I've done it before as the PIO. Um, so it it keeps keeps you on your toes without a doubt. No doubt. And and I think that that's what's really exciting. And you have to have very dynamic people then in your position. Because the other thing, too, is as you educate along the way, you're educating also in a public safety way. You mentioned that you're a um, public safety journalist. You're getting the information out quickly and timely to the residents that if there is a wildfire or grass fire or something that's moving quickly or there's evacuations, I mean, that's all funneling through your office, correct? It is. And so we, we have a couple of tools there. Pulse Point is a great tool. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't heard of it, check it right. out. Um, that's really based on um, like, you know, crowdsourcing CPR if there's a cardiac arrest in a public location. But it also yields to great community awareness because all of our fire calls are on there. Our community members can get uh, push notifications when we're going on something. And then we very quickly on our team, we use uh, Twitter or X as it's called today to, uh, you know, basically validate that yeah. an incident is happening. And then as soon as we get there, we're providing visuals. And so there's a couple aspects to that. One, that's, that is public safety journalism. The second part of that, especially when it comes to wildfire or even hazmat is we're trying to get through the psyche of our community members. Hmm. So, so generally there's the three phases. Somebody's in denial that something's happening and then they deliberate about it and then they take decisive action. And so when it comes to evacuating, we want to get them over the denial phase as soon as we can. We want them to know this is this is for sure happening. This is real. Give, yeah. give some tips, you know, to get them through their deliberation phase to get them to that decisive action as as soon as they can. So it's it's a, a multi-strategy thing there where we're getting images out and information out to our journalists so that they're pushing it out on their channels, but at the same time. Uh, the all of our community members have access to that same exact information. So it's it's getting out at the same moment. Do you sleep? I do. I sleep great. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, to our wellness program at South Metro and we have neurofeedback. Um, oh, nice. It's a form of biofeedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a, a great use case of that. I've never gotten more deep sleep and great sleep in my life, whether I'm at the firehouse or at home. So again, it, I think it goes back to taking care of employees. And, and I'm lucky that we have that resource because uh, it wasn't always like that. But today, I can tell you, I've never slept better. Well, and I mean that. Yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that. But I mean, like, I have to think, though, with the amount of responsibility that falls on your shoulders and your team's shoulders, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, you're divvying up the work and who's responsible for what and all those things. But this is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year job. It's not just a nine-to-five straight days. I mean, you guys, you mentioned about getting up and going to fires, but that's just the tip of the iceberg for you guys. So your oh, yeah. brain has got to be constant. And that's not even including, and I'm sure, public education efforts, 
you know, a smoke detector program or, or, you know, events at city hall or things like that. I mean, those are all things that come through your office too, no? Uh, they are. We, we also work very closely with community risk reduction specialists when it comes to the education component. So we help carry their message in a digital way and, and project the message. But generally, we're lucky to have them as, as the subject matter experts on education and coming up with curriculum. Okay. Now, you did cite City Hall and what I'll mention with South Metro that's different than a lot of places. We're a fire protection district. So we cover three different portions of three different counties, 10 cities and towns. Uh, so when you want to talk about city government, we uh, have a lot of different elected officials, sure. um, a lot of different PIOs and law enforcement agencies we have to work with. So it's very dynamic when it comes to those professional relationships. How important are those relationships, not just with other PIOs in your own department, but external sources, the news agencies, the newspapers, things like that. I mean, this, I have to believe that your position is based so much on relationship building. Yeah, it, it most certainly is. And just understanding what everybody else's needs are and understanding how to work with those different personalities and what their expectations are. And then having to kind of set some of our own expectations because mm. it's difficult um, to have to do things a different way in a, in one city than if I cross the street and I go into a different city and their city manager and PIO wants something one way. So we, um, you know, I, I will say we, we ruffled some feathers when we started doing what well, we I'm did, sure. where, which was really showing everything to the community that South Metro does. And some of those organizations um, gave us a little bit of pushback and we had to have some tough conversations about why it was important to our organization and why we do what we do and um, building on those those relationships. And I think we've gotten to a point now, you know, I, I started doing that in 2017. So we're we're several years past that. And I yeah. think we have great working relationships with everybody now, but that takes work. That's that's constant work and, and you have to keep putting that work into it. Yeah, and it's constantly doing the right thing because the minute you don't, that will be used against you from so many different angles, right? And so the importance of the integrity of your work speaks volumes to who you guys are in your office. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And especially when it comes to our uh, journalists that we work with, you know, we, we've had uncomfortable investigative reports and journalists wanting to do stories at South Metro and, and we try and be as transparent as we can. Um, obviously, you know, anybody who's been through a rough time with a public safety organization knows that attorneys get involved and then a lot of times you're not able to say anything because maybe something's in litigation, but we do our best to be as honest as we can. And if there's information that we can't share, we're honest about why we can't share it. But transparency is the biggest thing. So if we make a mistake, we're going to say we made a mistake and, and how we're going to fix it and move on and try not to make that mistake again. Um, and again, it goes back to that banking goodwill. So when, when people are used to seeing the fantastic job that our organization is doing day in and day out, I think that helps a lot. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I think what you guys are doing is just top shelf. And I think a lot of people need to take notice of the program and the access that you guys have and what that does. And I mean, that just, I, I mean, it's one thing educating the public, but man, to be able to educate your next probie class, influence who wants to come and work at South Metro, you guys are leaps and bounds ahead of so many departments in their, in their, you know, recruitment campaigns, just because you're just documenting and not creating. I say it all the time. Gary Vaynerchuk is a huge influence of mine, Gary V. And he talks about document. Don't create. 
You know, you have, when I read through that list of all those companies and then you smiled and you said, that's the best part about it. I get to go to the airport. I get to go do this. I get to do that. You have the keys. When I, when I talk with manufacturers and we're doing like marketing pitches and stuff for projects with them, I'm like, you guys, all you have to do is walk out of your office and into the factory. I go, it's like, <laughs> it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And for you, Eric, and your team, you guys have the keys to that. You have the ability to go do whatever because you have everything at your fingertips. And that's huge. So document the day. Don't create. People get stressed out when they have to create. So just document. And when you document the day in and day out, people want to see it. They want to know what that looks like. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, when I started doing this, and especially, you know, for, for a while there, I was teaching classes all over the place, presented at FDIC a few times, yeah, had a couple articles in fire I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, go ahead. My, my big thing was just saying, uh, be where the story is happening. Mm. That's where the PIO should be. And so the my predecessor, um, you know, had, had responded to, I think, 16 or 17 calls in in an entire year the last year that she worked for our organization and i think my first year i went to like 250 incidents there it is and, yeah. and it, it's exactly that it's, it's me being better at my job by observing and learning what our people are doing but then at the same time documenting and and we never have a shortage of photographs videos for whatever purpose for for training or pr you name it because we're documenting all the time and you can now, make a pretty good story out of that you know the the back bumper talk is fantastic the kitchen table talk is fantastic come back from a fire come back from a, something a little bit out of the norm the companies sit down they talk about their actions they talk about what they did but man would it be incredible to be able to call my pio office and be like hey do you guys have any footage from that fire do you have any photos you know we're we're talking about this we don't think this worked well we want to look at this like what an absolutely incredible resource to have for a fire department of your size to be able to pull information from the scenes of incidents. And we actually have a public facing gallery that anybody can check out at southmetro.photography organized by year. And then you dive into that and it goes by incidents. And when we have some downtime or we have firefighters on modified duty, we actually go into every image and we name tag it with everybody in there. So they or their families, when it comes time to, to retire, or God forbid, we have a, a line of duty death and we have to start looking for images of, of our people. Um, and sadly, I've had to go through that now three times since I've been PIO for um, line of duty cancer deaths at our organization. We've got that. Um, we have this powerful search engine of absolutely everything, all the historic photos, uh, incident photos, apparatus, you name it. And, and we continue to scan all of our historic stuff onto that page. And so everything that can be public, again, it's transparency. Everything that can be public is public there, and it's there for all of our personnel to access whenever they'd like and have those photos. When you when you really start wrapping your head around this conversation, which I am, right? Because you know, I you think about so much good that comes from this, right? It's not just the access for the public, but it's also access for our own members and access for our families. What you're doing is documenting the day in and day out of everything that's occurring in this department. And that only is going to better your position across the board. So Eric, well done, brother. I really, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to focus on you, you a little bit more, right? So South Metro, sure. you know, that's your foundation came up through the system there. Um, you're loving 
the position you're in, but you're just not getting enough, I guess, because now you started your own YouTube channel, which has been super successful right out of the gate has to do a lot with your uh, reach that you have through South Metro, but you're doing your own stuff now, starting to travel a little bit, starting to document the fire service. Uh, Wichita, Kansas, I know was successful for you, the Colorado Department of Transportation. I just watched your uh, truck four, your 24 hours of a truck four in Denver. Um, yeah. And guys love that. Like I, I do. I'd like to see, I don't know how Denver operates. So it's cool to see what they're doing, right? A downtown truck company, a lot of medical runs, a couple fire runs, you know, this and that, but it's cool to watch that. It's cool that you have the access that you do. Um, and again, you're gaining that access on your personal channel because of the trust that you've created and your ability to show authenticity of the job and who you are. So talk to me a little bit about like where that came from and said, nah, maybe I should go start my own thing. Yeah, I kind of that, that idea came about, honestly, right around the time COVID hit. And I was uh, starting to to schedule some rides with fire departments. And then that was just obviously put yeah, to right. bed and yeah. no riders were were allowed. But um, in that time, it, it was really just um, a couple things. Me wanting to, to, to find a way to continue my passion for the job. You can see some of the artwork behind me. Um, some of that was on the job, but some of it wasn't. Uh, this, yeah. this shot here of a firefighter sliding the rails on an aerial was a cool shot I took in Detroit. So I've gone to other places just to buff as a photographer. Yeah. And as my video skills started to be better, I guess you could say, I mean, you know, people like the, the videos that I'm creating and I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to try and get better at, at video production. Um, I started to love video as much as I loved still photography and I wanted to find a way where I could tell more stories of public safety journalism but just in a different way and maybe have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more creativity but at the same time fuel that buff passion that I've always had and learn a little bit along the way and meet some cool people um, so you know when I looked at YouTube um, because I'm there quite often mm. there aren't really any vloggers that do ride-alongs right. um, and so I know you know we we both know Mike Borello and and he's doing Heroes Next Door sure. um, you know featuring firehouses and apparatus I think you're, you're hanging out with him soon aren't you yeah he's uh uh yeah cat's out of the bag he's coming Ooh. to South Metro here in a couple weeks so, was I not uh, supposed to I'm sorry oh I don't know I uh, I think that's a, it's a cool funny. promo so yeah, yeah I we're, think so. there you go we're good um, absolutely I'll, while we're on that topic, one of your most recent guests, Jason Fair, um, yep. I, I just got back from Albuquerque. In fact, before you and I started talking, I was editing some Albuquerque videos. So nice. people who follow my channel or want to see it, uh, we'll, we'll have some fresh Albuquerque content on there awesome. on there soon. But, you know, no YouTubers are, are doing ride-along focused videos where they're really trying to see the ins and outs of the, the fire department. And certainly a part of that is the level of trust that you highlighted. And I think it's different when I can come at it from the lens of a PIO. So they know what my intention is, what I'm trying to capture. It's not gotcha journalism. Um, I'm not trying to expose anything. I just want to see what, what the departments are like because they're yeah. all different. Their, their personalities, the way they operate, um, all of those things. And so it's, it's a unique way for me to continue my passion in uh, public safety journalism. And I'm excited to see where that takes me. That's fun. I mean, it's, you know, when, when you get to build something around your passion, you know, so many people go through the paces of life day in and day out, but when you get to live 
the life you want with the career you have and you enjoy, it just makes things a little bit better across the board. And, um, and now for you to go out and start your own, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, give me some highlights. Give me some downsides. Like what, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that like to be behind the lens. Does that desensitize you a little bit? That was always something on my mind. Like when you, are you almost like a half step removed from the fire ground? If you're behind the lens, does that, does it kind of, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the moment, sometimes I think it has to, um, in, mm. in my official role, I've had to do some uncomfortable things. For I've sure. had to take pictures of, um, dead bodies in, in bad spots before the coroner's office arrived for whatever reason, you know, the, the crews needed to do something. And so I end up having to document that. Um, it's, it's tragedy, it's plane crashes, it's, it's bad car wrecks. It's a lot of ugliness. And so just like, I think, um, all responders have to do in whatever their primary job is in the moment, you kind of have to remove yourself from it. Um, but then there's reflection. And, and for me, that reflection is different because when I get back to the office or I get home and I plug my memory card in, I have to relive all of that while I edit images and find a place for them to be. And um, that can be photographing line of duty death funerals, which unfortunately I've had to do a lot of that, not only for my own agency, but, but neighboring agencies, you know, people experiencing lots of homes and, and lives, that kind of thing. So yeah, that, that kind of deal can, can be pretty rough. Um, I think video takes it to a, a whole nother, a whole nother level too. <clears throat> so, um, you know, filming the fire medic series, which I've been doing for South Metro, that put me in a way different, you know, way out of my comfort zone. So, um, having a video camera in the back of a medic unit with somebody who's having a really bad day and then yeah. having that conversation with them about what I'm doing and, Hey, are you okay if we, we share this? And if you are, would you mind signing this HIPAA form? Like, yeah. way out of my comfort zone yeah. um and and so it's a process a learning process as i go along for sure but um it's not easy work that i think that's the other part of this and it's one thing doing it as a pio but but even just doing this blog on the side so to speak that's still a job and and i had no idea how difficult it was going to be especially as a a one-man band so i uh, shoot, that was i was going to mention host, that yeah. I, I edit i do I do all the things. <laughs> so yeah. there are definitely times when it, I, I feel exhausted when I come home for sure. I bet. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you then too, you know, I talked about desensitized behind the, the lens, but you know, you really raised a couple of thoughts in my brain here. And one of them is how do you decompress? Because you're on the scene, you're dealing with it. <coughs> you then come home and you have to edit, put it together. You're talking about line of duty, death, funerals you're talking about deceased patients you're talking about um you know not you you're documenting all of the bad as well and so you're you're reliving it as you go through the process how do you and your team decompress i mean do you have the same abilities and 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 so on to lean on counseling units or anything like that that allows you to focus on you know making yourselves okay with this we do we have peer support um our peer support actually has uh support dogs as well that, that we can benefit from if there's a, a very traumatic thing typically we have a, a debrief at one of the firehouses um but that doesn't happen all the time yeah. and i think one of the 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 difficult things for 
me, you know, when I was in the firehouse and we'd go to a bad call, we'd go back to the firehouse and we'd talk about it. Right. Or if I was in dispatch, you'd right. talk about it. The the weird thing for for this role is it's very autonomous and I don't go back to a fire station. I right. go back to my office or go home. And so yeah, it's it's weird. You know, I, I was one of the first arriving uh, members of South Metro at the STEM school shooting a couple of years ago, saw a bunch of kids shot up. And when I got home from that, it's like, that's just me. Like, I'm just sitting at home thinking of everything that I, I went through. I, I'm not going back to a firehouse where I can talk to anybody about it. Um, so I think just finding healthy coping mechanisms is the most important part of it. Um, you know, for me, it, it's journaling, quite honestly, mm. um, and, and just talking to myself about the experiences that I've had and trying to pinpoint what's uncomfortable there. Going back years ago, um, I've told my story a few times uh, to, to some other journalists, but I, I went through some PTSD struggles and right. uh, did EMDR therapy, which was a, a total game changer for me. And I think through all of that, I've been able to just be able to have more self-awareness. So I know what level of assistance that I need. But um, if it's one of my other PIOs, I'm certainly reaching out to them on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, um, if they, they've had a fatality fire or they, they went and they saw something really bad, it's, it's reaching out to them um, as best I can. And then as soon as I can see them in person, I want to do that. And it's really just to get a read on where they're at and, and see how they're doing. And thankfully, I have other people on the department that do the same for me and check on me. Um, something that a, a lot of folks I don't think about is the exposure that journalists have as well. Their mm. job is pretty rough. And so I'm I'm fortunate to have some uh, good relationships with local journalists where we check on each other after that kind of that's, thing as well. So that's good strong. support mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I don't, I don't think of that. Right. I'm not in that world. So you don't think of that, but yeah, I mean, when you're covering tragedy, especially the news, I mean, I, I find it almost troubling these days to put on the local news. I mean, I'm 20 minutes outside of New York City, so everything is New York City news. And the first 10 minutes of the news is tragedy. There's there's yeah, nothing yeah. there's nothing of of you know uplifting, you know, uh sense of what it's just it's literally the plight of society is the first 10 minutes of the news. And so when you're documenting all that all the time, you you gotta find your sanity there. I think that's incredible that you have a network like that and that you, you are you know, you recognize that. I think the other thing too, would it be safe to say though, you said journaling is important to you. Would it be safe to say that your photography is part of your therapy too? Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think um, it's, it's my creative outlet, you know, some, yeah. some people draw, some people paint. Right. But yeah, my photography and videography and especially editing video, um, all of that is very cathartic to me. And, and mm. that certainly helps. And where, does uh, but, it, where did all that come from? Did you learn it on the fly? Or, I mean, I know you said early on you were buffing and taking fireground videos and so on. But when it comes to editing and video, I mean, I'm assuming you learned as you went. Yep. Uh, pretty much self-taught 100%. YouTube YouTube University, so to speak. There's a yeah. few bloggers out there like Casey Neistat where I get a lot of my inspiration from. And um, he he put out a, a course. There's a few vloggers that have put out little classes. And so I've watched a few of those to, you know, increase what I do. Nick sure. Perez with um, Miami PD was a huge inspiration to me for his work. Um, and really, in, he's his channel, the Miami PD YouTube channel, is the reason why the South Metro One exists anyway. Like, I saw so much 
inspiration there. Um, what's, so what really, was his name? Uh, Nick with Miami PD. And their, their channel has tons of, of subscribers. He has a personal channel called Nick Off Duty. Um, worth checking out as well. It's the cop side of things. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I got a lot of inspiration and then learned a lot of techniques just watching his work and, and some other vloggers that I follow. But I, I think one of the important things, too, that I've noticed recently to, to just kind of buck the YouTube system, so to speak, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, I think all, the, all the, the stress that people put into it, my personal perspective is don't stress about it. Um, make a story that people want to see more of, not make them feel like they've seen enough. And it doesn't matter what length of time that is. Uh, Peter Santanello is another vlogger who just totally blew this out of the water. He's like in his 40s long form journalism, 45 to 60 minute episode shot with just a GoPro. There's no cinematography. There's no music. There's no fast cuts. It's just like him telling a great story with interesting people. Um, so I think that's the cool thing, at least for me, I can kind of back off the pressure and just be like, I want to tell a story and however long it takes to tell the story in the right way to make people feel like they want to see more is the sweet spot. Yeah. I love that. I, I think there's so much to that. Um, you know, we're always learning as we go and, you know, we're trying to develop our YouTube a little bit stronger and, and better. I'm going to talk to you about that off air, but, uh, <laughs> it's just, I have to think though, too, now that you are, I would say a subject matter expert on this in, in your position as a PIO and now doing your personal blogging or vlog again on YouTube and so on. I'm sure there's a lot of people that reach out to you for, um, advice or, or thoughts. So maybe, you know, on top of what you just said, which I think is invaluable, right? People get too caught up in the creative mindset of it instead of just delivering a message that people would want to hear. You have any other tips, one, two tips that people might want to consider or think about when producing or, or creating content? Um, don't disregard the small details that I think a lot of us take for granted. So, mm -hmm. um, people get excited over some of the littlest things. Yeah. And, and so for me, it's trying to take a step back and, and think about it through the eyes of, of little Eric when I was a kid and, and the fire that. service was just this new, sure. you know, awesome, amazing thing and everything was fantastic. And so kind of go back to that level. And, and if, if you're talking with kids, um, you know, at a fire muster or at an open house, you know, find, ask them what, what's exciting to them. And that can get you some pretty good uh, content ideas, honestly. Um, and, and it's just all those little details. And then the other part, important part, um, I, I have a really great journalistic relationship with Tom Costello with NBC National News. Um, we've worked on some projects together. And his big thing that, that I've learned is including natural sound. So as much natural sound in your videos as you can do, background stuff, tones, radio traffic, the sound of sirens, um, the, the, the sound of laughter from the firefighters in the next room over all of those things yeah. are super, super important. So paying attention to audio honestly can help your video, um, excel, you know? So I, I think those are kind of the big tips. The other thing I'll say is don't get too wrapped up in the technology. I'm a tech geek. I have, you know, the latest and greatest in camera technology. And what I found is Honestly, none of that really matters. Um, if, if you've got a the cheapest 4K camera out there right. and good audio, go do all you need. Really, all you need, just go yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah, pick up the camera. Don't be afraid. Don't overthink it. I I uh, am a little different than most. I don't storyboard. 
I go into a story like what you said earlier, document. I document and I make a story after I've documented it. And yeah. typically as I go along, I'll find other things I want to document to help mm -hmm. tell the story. But just don't be afraid to pick up the camera if it's what you're thinking about doing. Um, it, that's the best thing to do. Pick it up, start making stories and, and grow from there. Yeah. And I think that really the important thing, too, is to protect, you know, in the, in the fire service, we do need to protect what we have. And, you know, we can do that by, you know, painting an accurate picture of who we are and what we do day in and day out. But we need to be protective and stop looking for controversy or stirring the pot, too. And I think, you know, you can always find, like you said, there's not a single fire ground that's perfect. Right. And so there's always going to be things that that you see that, you know, might not be textbook or, you know, there's there's some questionable, you know, a, a little questionable, but protecting the importance of this job and the mission that we have and stay away from controversy. I just, I'm not a controversial guy when it comes to, you know, I, I really believe in protecting the sanctity of the fire service. I think it's important. That's why I do what I do. Um, and I, I have to think that you're right there with me in, in some regards to that because of your position and what you do. Oh yeah. And I see a lot of that in the comments section, you know, I generally with, with PIOs who are calling me for advice because they've seen some bad comments, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's the 10, 80, 10 rule. There's 10% of people who are going to love us no matter what we do and praise us. There's 80%, which is the mass, which is just going to be like, all right, cool. You know, that's good stuff. And they're not going to write anything disparaging, even if they have a, a bad thought about what we're doing. And then there's the 10% that are going to be haters and they're going to be trolls. They're going to want to stir the pot. They're going to scream about your nozzle choice, your helmet choice, your strategy and tactics, whether right. you're doing transitional attack um, and, and with a passion, man, they're just furious on that keyboard about their opinions. And it's okay for people to have opinions for sure. But generally what we find is that tearing down just does no good. Right. Um, no, no one's going to change what they're doing because of this person's opinion. Um, we welcome good conversation. Um, but we don't engage in fighting and, and we literally have people who will write comments and then say debate me at, at the bottom of it. And it's like this. Is, it's not a debate. You know, the, right. you're watching exactly right. how we work and we're happy to explain what happened and why we did what we did. Um, but, you know, trying to keep trying to keep it positive as much as we can is really important. And I think we're lucky because a lot of the other folks in the comments section take care of everything for us. And from a, from a official perspective, you know, we, we don't write anything back. That's going to cause a fight. We don't yeah, cause right. a stir. We'll answer questions. Uh, but yeah, we, we want to, we want to keep this uh, everything that we do in a positive light. We want it to be encouraging. We want to um, learn. I think learning's a good thing and showing the imperfections means we're all going to learn from each other. So I think that acknowledgement is really important. Eric, thank you. What's next for you? You know, I, I'm excited to see where this YouTube channel takes me. I, I want to go to all corners of the fire service, busy places, small places, unique places um, for that own, you know, personal experience for me and, and what I'm gathering from, from the feedback I've seen on my channel. Other people want to see that too. So, um, you know, in my time off within reason, I'm, I'm going to do that and I'm going to keep, keep doing what I do at South Metro and, find new and, and unique ways that we can tell some of those stories. We've got some really, really exciting stuff coming up with the new fire Academy. We're capturing it in a way that's never been captured before. And I'm uh, super, super excited to be able to put a long form product together on YouTube. It's going to be a while. It's, it's a long project, but it's already begun. And uh, 
I I'm really it. excited about it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success and it's uh personal and career. Um, Thank you, you really are pushing our job forward and making our job better. And um, I just want to say thank you for joining me today on the podcast. It was a lot of fun to learn a little bit more about you. Um, I'd love to do some projects together down the road. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, wow. and so, on. so we'll talk about that for sure. And um, just thanks for spending an hour with me this morning. And thanks for speeding up the schedule for me too. I kind of uh, <laughs> screwed that one up on you, but thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Eric Hurst, South Metro Fire and Rescue out of Colorado. Eric, thank you so much for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Stay right here. I'm going to sign off the podcast and I'll come right back to you, brother. Hang on one sec. Okay. Everyone. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the national fire radio podcast. Like I talk about, talk about the job, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in for my guest, Eric Hurst. I'm Jeremy national fire radio.